0: Today on the 10-12 Podcast, Andy, Jamie, and myself are recapping week eight from around the Big 12, plus Wild Ute joins us to talk about who are Utah fans, how do they really feel about joining the Big 12, Vegas versus Kansas City for the Men's Basketball Championship Tournament, and why it's time for us all to just get along.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference Plus, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. Find every show on the network at 1012network.com. That's T E N, the number 12, the word network. And we are partners with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. Go and check them out. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. It is a Monday. We are here to recap the weekend that was with my two favorite podcasting people. You know them, you love them, but you know what? Every podcast is someone's first, so let's introduce them because that's what we need to do. She is the vibe queen of the 1012 Network, JSJ, Jamie Steyer Johnson.
3: You have to clarify podcasting people in case someone decides to tell your kids that they're not your favorite people.
0: I mean, my wife could listen to an episode at some point, and it would be my luck to say that. And then she'd be like, "Oh, so one of your favorite people I is just a like different the very woman specific
3: than me." Disclaimer: That's really well done.
0: Thank you. I, look, language matters. What words you use are very, very important. Uh, never rush a tweet. Also, joining us, I mean, he's not the vibe king, but we still love him. He is Andy
1: I'm just glad that you use such definitive language to say we are your favorite podcasting people. Of all the people you could have picked that have been on this show before, I'm I'm glad that you know Jamie and I are the two favorite podcasting people that you have. So,
0: I mean, at this point, I've spent more podcasting hours with the two of you than anybody else, which is that's fair. That that is that is saying a lot. I mean, if I didn't like you this much, (laughs) I would have replaced you long ago. So, uh, yeah, good luck. There are plenty of fish in the podcasting sea, but none quite. For me, as, at least.
1: Uh, not not, not for Jamie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you, the, you hit the nail right on the head on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we are not alone today. We're going to do something a little different off the top here. Don't worry, we? we'll recap the weekend that was. We got a lot of thoughts, notes, and of course, uh, the latest news on Quinn Ewers, if you haven't heard about that as of yet. We're going to start the show off a little bit different. decided to welcome a guest here because there's been a lot of talk about utah ever since i mean honestly like utah has has been building a reputation for themselves as far as a fan base goes for some time over the last year ever since the pac-12 got in trouble and all the big 12 rating the pac-12 and george klyavkoff versus brett yormark and yada 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 really started getting on and of all the fan bases who have been the most vocal i think has been utah and and I want to find out exactly who the Utah fan base is, how they really feel about the Big Twelve, and and discuss some of the thoughts that they have shared on social media. So I'm excited to have the man known on Twitter as Wild Ute joining us today. I'm just going to shorten it to Wild. How you doing, man?
2: Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for bringing me on the 10-12. Happy to be here.
0: We are thrilled to have you today. So I am I, I reached out on Twitter, uh, sent out what I call an olive branch tweet, and just said, Hey, look, there's been a lot of vitriol some of it i think deserved but we can explain that and break that down uh towards or between utah and big 12 fans uh, about them joining the big 12 and their thoughts on the big 12 conference and you know I, maybe some of it's not fair maybe some of it's a bit um a bit social media heavy okay let's let's start let's start with this to me like the loudest and most vocal utah fans and i understand those are voices that tend to rise to the top when it comes to social media but those are the voices that have represented Utah to Big 12 fans for the last year plus. Really, since it was announced that USC and UCLA were leaving and all the rumors and whirlwind and everything began, the Utah fans that have risen to the top have been the most ardently anti-Big 12, ugly toward Big 12, and uh, and arrogant about Utah and the Big 12.
2: Mm.
0: Now, since it was announced that Utah would join the Big 12, you know, we We have tried to find Utah fans worth following. There is some. There are a few, I'm I'm being us, and we're still looking, but the most vocal have remained the most arrogant and anti-Big 12, it seemed, which you get why Big 12 fans feel a certain way about Utah fans. You burned your house down. We welcome you to ours, and you're already trying to tell us how to fix ours and what's wrong with it before you've even had a chance to unpack your bags. We'll get to the Kansas City and uh, uh, Vegas in a minute. Look, I'm fine with thoughts and opinions. The blatant, brazen statements of the Big Twelve should start changing things to adapt to the Pac-12 way of doing things is not great. And so, what I want to do today, and the reason we have Wild here is, I feel like Wild is a guy who is uh, strongly opinionated, but not in a necessarily negative way. And so, I want to get a good view on Utah fans. Like, what are Utah fans like? What do you? What do you? What do they really like? And how do they really feel about joining this conference? Is it just that a a handful of the most vocal have, have taken the charge and everyone else has let them? Or is it just that the, um, I don't know, let's say more level-headed voices have just kind of fallen to the background and not been able to be heard quite as well? So, Wild, who is Utah?
2: Utah is a school of underdogs. Okay. So Utah, I think that before we get into what Utah fans are like and uh, how Utah fans feel about joining the Big 12, I think that we need to talk about the history of Utah because it's going to give some context. So Utah in, uh, in 2011 was a um, G5 school beforehand, and then they were invited by the Pac-12 into the conference. And at that time, Utah had been petitioning, trying to get into a, a Power Five, Autonomous Five conference for, for many years. And, uh, and the Pac-12 and gave that invite at the time. So one thing to always think about, though, guys, that this often forgotten is the Big 12 never invited Utah. You know, back in the, that time frame, the Pac-12 was the conference that invited Utah. So Utah was a perennial underdog before that invite. Utah is actually the uh, the initial BCS buster back in uh, 2004 and in 2008, they went to two BCS games before this new and more recent era of college football. And so a lot of youth fans uh, had a lot of pride in the football program because of that prior success. Well, it took many years in the Pac-12 era to build up recruiting and to actually get to a place where we could compete. And, After about five or six years, Utah started winning more and more Pac-12 games. And it took a long time, but over the last couple of years, Utah has actually won the Pac-12 championship. And so Ute fans feel pretty proud that we came from essentially nothing to become a relevant program because we've always been an underdog. And I I know a Big 12 fans might not feel that way, but Utah fans feel that way. They see themselves as underdogs. And uh, and then all this happened, right? All this momentum, conference realignment happened. Utah was just stabilizing in the Pac-12, just building the program almost up to a college football playoff caliber program right there on the brink. And USC and UCLA leaped to the Big Ten. Well, because of all this momentum and all the success that Utah's had, Utah feel, felt and still feels to a degree really loyal to the Pac-12 conference. We gave them the invite, the success built there, the brands built. And so Utah was staunch in wanting to stay in the Pac-12 conference for all those reasons. And plus for recruiting, Utah recruits heavy out of California and having those California ties is big into really building the program up in the future too. And then there's the aspect of uh, BYU entering into the Big 12 conference. And of course, BYU and Utah, the Holy War and uh, that rivalry. So there was just a lot going on and all that realignment battling Between Ute fans primarily and Big 12 fans and trying to stay keep the Pac-12 to stay alive versus getting gobbled up by the Big 12 at the time created a lot of hard feelings, right? Back and forth hard feelings amongst Ute fans and Big 12 fans. And that makes sense because it got pretty dang nasty. Everyone knows that before that invite came. So that's all background context. And that's like from a Ute fan perspective. Ute fans still feel like they are the underdogs and that we have earned respect especially in the football field because of all the work and the coaching that we put in to build momentum and oftentimes youth fans will feel slighted if a different conference people that haven't played them schools haven't played them will automatically discount that success because we have that feeling of a, an underdog so that's the psyche of a youth fan just to back up a little bit like the honest true psyche of youth fans what are you fans like youth fans are great people they're just like big 12 fans i mean they're passionate about their school they're they're loud because they're proud of the success, and uh, and they love football primarily. And uh, and Ute fans and BYU fans are kind of psycho with each other, just like you know Iowa and Iowa State, or just like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You kind of lose your mind and say some crazy stuff, right? I mean, like and so there's that dynamic where youth fans and BYU fans will never really get along too well, but uh, Ute fans they're just loyal fans good folks. Really, they're not a bunch of jerks. I mean, on social media, it does look like that way. You said that, Phillip. But really, if you met youth fans in real life, they're great people. They're really hospitable. If you ever come out to a game, it's all like City, they'll treat you right in the tailgate law. They're not going to not gonna badmouth you or anything else. But really, that's how youth fans really are outside of social media. And how do you fans feel about joining the Big 12? It's freaking bittersweet, guys. Like Just like I told you with the Pac-12 giving us that invite, and building momentum, having the recruiting pipeline in California, freaking hurts to lose that type of momentum. And like being in a conference where you're building and building and building to all of a sudden have it taken away because USC and UCLA wanted to leave because Utah and others were beating you and USC wasn't the brand that they used to be and they wanted to build that. That's frustrating. And so Ute fans, it's very bittersweet to go to really any other conference, but U fans wanted to stay and try to keep the pack alive because of all the success, the things that we've already talked about here. So um, it's, it's complicated as far as the move to the big 12, because you've got the BYU component, the hard feelings because of the realignment move and everything. And it's just been a really messy transition since trying to join the conference since. but ultimately Utah will integrate. Utah will be a great member of the big 12, have a very passionate fan base, and it's going to be a good fit. It's just going to take a few years and a little while.
1: Every every conference needs a villain. It sounds like Utah <laughs> is ready to, you know, step into that role. But no, I mean, you know, you talked about the the 2011 kind of conference realignment, um, mm-hmm. and and I think the thing to keep in mind there is that the Big Twelve was on the brink of dissolving themselves because of Missouri mm-hmm. and Texas A and M leaving. You know, I don't think that they were really in a position to try to be branching out to a new area of the country they had to solidify where they were and then so like I, I i feel like west virginia was kind of the you know they were already a power six because of big east and then you bring in a tcu which was at the time the most successful uh g5 school mm-hmm. um because of what gary patterson did and yes U- utah was definitely on the brink and then there were talks about bringing additional teams in but i think the part that at least for me it seems to me like there's a there's hard feelings towards the Big 12 because the Big 12 supposedly, you know, put the final nail in the coffin for the Pac-12 when in reality it's the Big 10 and it's USC and it's UCLA. And there's a lot of animosity, it seems, geared towards the Big 12, which is where they're jumping into hmm. because they would rather be back in the Pac-12. But honestly, the Big 12 didn't really do anything to destroy the Pac-12. You know, USC, UCLA jumped first. Colorado was talking about coming to the big 12 because they were worried about the TV negotiations. And then Oregon and Washington jumped and put the dagger in it. So I think that there's a, a little bit of, I guess, resentment from big 12 fans that are like, well, Utah is coming in and telling us how we should do things and telling us, you know, about how, how much better they are when they're having to jump out of that conference. Like there's just, it, it feels a lot like it's a, we don't want to be here. So we're just going to tell you how you should do things, which reminds us a whole lot of Texas.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think that the Utes fans are very vocal. And like, as you guys have seen, and like, and especially on social media and everything. And and I think that it warrants consideration and conversation about how things have changed. I mean, like I get the thought process that like, hey, Utes are the most vocal about wanting and asking and like, and bringing up topics that might be uncomfortable, like maybe moving a conference championship game. But I would ask you guys to consider, like, I mean, the conference makeup's different than it used to be. Texas and Oklahoma are now gone. So there's less Midwest teams. You've got more mountain and desert teams here. You've got West Virginia and Cincy out there. It's like, why do the old ways have to stay when you've got opportunities to go places like Vegas? Like if like a, for a basketball tournament, Like, I realized the KC experiences are awesome, But, like, Brett, your mark is a freaking baller, right? This guy is amazing. And, like, this guy's going to get max branding and PR. Like, so why not even give it a consideration to move the game around to build the brand? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, and I get that's a cool experience. But, like, if we're really going to try to build this thing, I guess, like, I don't understand why folks get so upset just bringing that topic up.
0: For one, they've moved it around in the past. The most successful place it's ever been was Kansas City, and part of that is because Kansas City, and the everything around the arena, are focused on nothing but keeping everybody in and around the arena and putting the focus on the basketball tournament. And I think the argument is every time a Utah fan talks about like all the different things you can do in Vegas, it's like but that's not the point. Like, if you want to go to Vegas for all the things to do in Vegas, go to Vegas anytime you want. There's 360 other days of the year you could go do that. When the Big 12 tournament's going on in in Kansas City, we're there because that's what the whole point is. Like, it's about the Big 12 tournament and everything that's done around that, around the arena and around, like. A giant chunk of the city is around that event. Whereas taking it to Vegas, it's another thing in Vegas. Mm -hmm. I I mean, Your Mark has talked has hinted at Vegas, and I and I think they're going to find ways to do things out west. Um, I don't know. I don't see that being moving the basketball championship. And it's interesting. I think the other thing is that particular event is so well attended because of its location, because of the fan bases it's near that do so well and travel so well for it and the Utah fans coming and saying, "Well, you should do it here instead." Because it because it does come across as you should do this here because we like it here and it's more convenient for us. And I understand that look, I understand the idea of you're having to come into a new space that wasn't what you wanted where you wanted to be initially. I'm like putting myself in a Utah fan shoes. We wanted the Pac-12 to stay. We 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 built this before we were invited to a pack power five conference. I mean, at the time in 2011, I imagine they would have picked the pack 12 over the big 12, even if the big 12 had out an invite, I don't know if they did or not. So let's sit that, but like have built themselves into a team that is consistently winning the pack 12. And now you have to go over to some other place um, with another group of schools where a few of your friends are coming with you, but like, it's a whole new thing. Right. And so, you you would like that conference to try and do something to help make you feel more welcome, as opposed to, I mean, look, it's gotten very vitriolic between Big Twelve fans and Utah fans on social media, and I would like at some point, y'all, we gotta we gotta calm it down a little bit. Um, but I I believe wholeheartedly Brett Yormick will look for ways to do things out west to incorporate those schools more and to utilize Vegas. Like he's talked about New York. He's talked about mm-hmm. Vegas. We're good. We're going to have a, a, a bowl game in Mexico. We're going to have basketball game probably every year down in Mexico because he wants to expand the brand into all these different places. So like I wholeheartedly believe big 12 events will occur in Vegas. I think when, when something for Utah fans to know about big 12 fans is like coming after of all the things to come after, like, I don't think the basketball shirt tournament was the one to choose. You want to say right. we should move the football championship game to Vegas? I don't think there'd be a whole lot of pushback. People are like, all right. Like, Arlington's cool. That's great. That's fine. You want to go to Vegas and go to that stadium? Okay. We want to move around. Like, that's fine. I wouldn't. Con- I would choose more wisely than the basketball tournament and trying to move it from well, Kansas City.
3: And the other point I think to consider here is, um, like we said, the people that are most passionate about it. It's not that it's every single person in the Big Twelve that's going to get really. Uh, really uh invested in this kind of conversation but the kind of fan bases that are going to jump in there are going to be you know the local ones that are bringing a lot of people so you're gonna have kansas which they could get very passionate obviously and just then just a little bit you're gonna have a lot of people from iowa state
0: the most online fan base i was gonna are say are going
3: <laughs> But they have an extremely similar mindset to what you describe with Utah. Obviously, our history is not the same with coming from uh, the G5 into a Power 5 conference and, and having that aspect of it. But the rest of it sounds extremely similar, where we were very, very nearly left on the outside if the Big 12 had dissolved during that conference realignment. Like, we're talking a hair's breadth. And so that certainly led to a a lot of really strong feelings, especially regarding realignment. Uh, And you've had a lot of Oh, shall we say uh, difficult times uh, in some of our premier programs uh, that end up with just feeling like, okay, you know, you're you're really struggling through the mud to try and find success. And so when you have a couple of fan bases that are at odds about things that they feel very strongly about. Uh, And then they're coming at each other and they don't know each other that well enough to really realize, okay, we're coming at this for like, very, very similar reasons and finding that common ground and understanding that aspect of it. I think that's when you end up with the frankly, like, mess. That you've got on social media right now which i don't know i mean at least everything i've seen hasn't been like uh devolving into like doxing people or uh mm. threatening so at least at least it's that much of a success but like it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty contentious i think for a while until everyone really learns to like adjust to each other or at least settles into the routine of like okay we're gonna poke fun at you know Utah and they're going to poke back at Iowa state or whatever. But for right now, it's just like very all over the place.
1: It's a really low bar, but the fact that we are not stooping to Iowa and Missouri levels of online fandom is very, very promising at this point. So, um, but no, I mean, th- the other thing I will say is that like the big 12s identity isn't wrapped up in college basketball. They have been literally the best and deepest college basketball conference for the last decade. Um, the one thing that they absolutely unequivocally do right is the big 12 championship. And so that is like the one thing that you will probably see, especially for a big 12 conference that is trying to make up ground and trying to build on the successes that they do have and branch out into new areas. I think that's where a lot of the pushback comes from, right? Because the one thing that absolutely is not have any problems with it right now is the big basketball tournament. If you want to build on things, you don't wreck the thing or you don't, change a lot about the thing that is going absolutely as best as it possibly can you know that is super solid that you don't have to worry about until you've looked at a bunch of other options of things that you can do and so i, I think that's where most of it comes from is that there's a reason that every single announcer who's ever done anything in the big to tournament talks about how it's the best one in, in the entire country it's the most passionate it has it's basically sold out for every single game because of the fan bases that are there And yes, Iowa State and Kansas and Kansas State fans do help sell out the sessions that, you know, some of those teams aren't in. But there's a lot of passionate fans in Kansas City who also just come to watch the tournament. Like I know multiple times after Kansas is gone, I still go to the games to watch the tournament because I love watching Big 12 basketball. And it's it's very entertaining to watch in person. And so I I don't think if you go to a place like Vegas or you go, you know, anywhere else where there's a bunch of other stuff to do, you're going to get that kind of attention. And it's worked so well for the Big 12 in the past. That's what their identity is wrapped up in. So, until there's a really, really compelling reason to go somewhere else, I just don't think that there's going to be any appetite to move the
2: tournament from, from Kansas City. You guys have compelling responses. That's a lot of the feedback about it was said on social media. And maybe there is a good place to meet here where a football championship game on a rotating basis could go in Vegas. And like, he, he, this is a little bit subversive. Okay. Let's back up a little bit. Las Vegas has a reputation um, for Ute fans. It's uh, called Rice Eccles South. So Ute fans fill up Vegas for football championship games and make it a home field advantage. Do you guys really want to know why Utah wants Vegas? It's because it becomes a home field advantage. Just like Kansas City uh, seems as far as an outside of stepping in like a big home field advantage for KUK State and Iowa State. It seems that way, and that's great and everything, but uh, Vegas really is that for for both Utah and BYU. So that's what's not being said that's lurking underneath this too, especially for football.
0: Of course. Oh, look, there's always going to be some bias. I'll wrap up the basketball chat on this. Um, Like Your mark, as I have been told, like your mark was a little bit like, yeah, Kansas City, that's the best we can do, until he was there the first time, and then he came away understanding, and it's why they've – Push to lock that down and continue to build the relationship with not just the arena, but the city of Kansas City and and the commitment that the city itself has to basketball as a sport and to keeping the basketball uh, tournament there as well. Um, And and
1: for those Utah fans that want to keep the dream alive and take it to Vegas, I will note because it was pointed out to me. Brett Yormark in his uh comments talked about keeping it at the T-Mobile Center which also happens to be the name of the arena down in Vegas so
0: um
1: <laughs> theoretically he could look at that option but I don't think the way he was talking about it makes me think that he was he was meaning Kansas City but um there are definitely some people that are more than willing to you know poke some at some conspiracy theories there
3: Hopefully there's a long future of uh, this current or this upcoming big 12 conference in which we can discuss it.
1: Exactly.
0: I think you've got a lot of fan bases who have been through, who are very traumatized and have been through a lot over the last, let's call it at least the last three years between the big 12 and it's near demise and the Pac 12 and it's actual demise. Throw in all the past trauma that the big 12 has gone through. And I think you have a bunch of fan bases that what you're going to find Utah fans. And I hope you can find it quickly is once you join the big 12, we will hate each other to no end, but it's a very brotherly relationship and that we can say whatever the hell we want about each other, but you stay the away from my brother or we will all come at you with a passion and anger that will scare their fan base away. Um, and I look forward to introducing Utah and Arizona, Arizona State and Colorado back uh, into that. I, I, I do think it's going to take some time for everyone to kind of get their nerves calmed. And some, some people may never come back around, but I am, I am intrigued um, to have Utah join. I want to wrap up on this. I want to read a Kyle Whittingham quote because this quote is, is fantastic. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, uh, Whittingham Talking about USC, quote, they've got a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, so they're gonna make some things, and that's just the way it is. But we've got ourselves a pig farmer at quarterback, so we're proud of that guy too.
2: That sums it up. That sums it up right there. Like I like I told you guys at the at the core of this, like the youth fans that have been around for a long time feel like underdogs that are fighting to try to get national respect. And the fact that Bryson Barnes is a pick farmer walk on that just beat the Heisman Trophy winner. It tickles freaking Ute fans. It's freaking amazing. (laughs) It's awesome. Like that's exactly who Utah is, is Bryson Barnes. And like, and that's really, at least from the Ute fan psyche, that's who we are. And like, and I think that once we learn to respect each other in the big 12 circles and, and the Utah circles, and we can give that mutual respect and we can, celebrate victories and youth fans feel like they're respected in the conference. I think a lot of that venom is going to go away too. But really that's kind of what youth fans really want, desire, because we've had to fight for it for so hard and like had to play teams like UFC for the last 12 years that just thumb their nose and treat us like smug nothings, right? Like they just walk all over us. They think they're they're so much better. And so we've we've come from that place too. And Now stepping in well, yeah, I guess we're just a school looking for the respect that we think that we've kind of earned on the field. And uh, ultimately, you know, playing in the Big 12, and we're going to have to prove it on the field anyway. But I think that place will get there eventually. It just is going to take some time.
1: So I, I think, think we can all agree to hate Texas, Oklahoma, I USC, know. and UCLA with all of our beings.
0: I, I think Utah is more like the schools in the Big 12. Oh, okay? yeah. And I think, I think Utah and Big 12 fans realize uh, I think Utah fans will find that out fairly quickly uh, upon arrival. So, Wildman, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I don't think this will be the last time, uh, so do me a favor. Uh, where can everybody uh, find you? Find you on social media, give you a follow so they can find themselves a good Utah fan uh, and, and, and start to build the, a better relationship for a better tomorrow.
2: Sure thing. So find me on Twitter X at the wild Ute. I also am a co-host to the Holy rival show on YouTube and the big 12 mafia show, uh regular contributor over there on YouTube as well. So that's where you can find me and let's keep the conversation going guys. Cause let's get, uh, let's get a little tighter vibes and stuff, you know, let's, let's integrate this relationship. And you know what, if if Utah has to be the heel and the bad guy for the better man of the big 12 brand then so be it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh. Someone Kansas has to State, fall on that Kansas sword. State might like to give up that role. So, <laughs>
2: uh,
0: well, appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll talk again soon.
2: Okay, take care, guys.
0: All right, we got games to recap. Let's dive in, let's get to it, let's roll through Oklahoma 31, UCF 29. Oklahoma survives a visit from UCF. Uh, in it, uh, you're having a week off, like I uh, okay, it's the first time Oklahoma hasn't covered a spread all season. Uh OU is far from their best and the Ren game was disappointing. We're going to have to do a little bit of a deep dive on that one to take a, a deeper look. I think Brent Beddell said it best. Like if you want a positive takeaway is that OU would have lost this game last year. Like he was asked this year to last year. OU would have lost this game last year. Um, and hell, Lincoln Riley probably would have lost this game, considering what you know we saw from Lincoln Riley this past two weeks, and what we saw from Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. And he was good for a good loss like this. So, uh, if you want a positive for Oklahoma, it's you survived at home against the UCF team that made some mistakes, and 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 you didn't down the stretch for UCF, still winless in the Big Twelve. Uh, by the way, UCF is now zero for four on two point conversions this season, and all of them have been trick play attempts. Gus. You have John Rice Plumley back. I don't know. Maybe just you know use run him, <laughs> run, run a play with him. You know you're 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 very you're good quarterback. I don't know. Or keep you, trying to plays that aren't gonna work.
1: Yeah, that was a really weird ending to that game. Like it felt to me like they were trying too hard to do something that Oklahoma wouldn't see coming, not realizing that Oklahoma's athletes are a whole lot better anyway. Like it, unless you just find the perfect thing. To completely, you know, just surprise them like no other. It's you're better off just running what got you successful and got you down into, into the end zone in the first place.
0: Yeah. The good news for UCF, Charlie Hustle keeps teasing some like release, and I'm I'm ready to stop being teased and tickled and actually like you know.
1: Yeah, seriously. The
0: goods. Can we have the goods, Charlie Hustle? We're waiting. I'm gonna I'm gonna start emailing uh, uh, constantly until we find out what that is. Luckily for you, when it comes out. You can use the promo code 101215 T-E-N-1215 at Charlie Hustle and get 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Completely officially licensed collegiate apparel. Fantastic stuff. They've got one of my favorite Citronaut shirts. They, they've teased another Citronaut shirt. And I'm like, I okay, I need I need one. I need one. I need one. I need that new Big 12 shirt that they put yeah, out. Yes, so I was they... going to
3: say in the vein mm-hmm. of our earlier discussion, the Kansas City skyline Big 12 shirt goes so hard.
0: It's a it's a damn good shirt. It is a fantastic shirt that is available now at charliehustle.com. They've got more than 30 schools to choose from. That is 13 of the 14 current Big 12 schools. I know Cincinnati like Cincinnati if you're a Cincinnati fan and you're like, we're still mad because Charlie Hustle doesn't have our stuff, just tweet at Cincinnati's athletic department and tell them to give Charlie Hustle the licensing. I promise it's not because Charlie Hustle's like, right. no. I we saw a don't couple of people them. like
3: so mad that they were promoting the league and their new Big 12 shirt. Like, why would you put this out before you have Cincinnati? It's like, I don't know, maybe because your school's dragging their feet, probably.
0: It's never because of the apparel company. It's always because of the athletic department and the university. So if you're mad, then don't tweet at Charlie Hustle. Just tag them in the tweet at your own university and say, give to us Charlie Hustle gear so we can use 10, 12, 15 for 15% off all non sale items. Charlie Hustle vintage made fresh.
1: By the way, that needs to be the tweet, like include the promo code and everything. Say that that's why you want it.
0: (laughs) tag us in it too you can tag us us in everything tag us in it oh they've got Colorado too no Utah yet I'm sure they'll work on those as well uh speaking of surviving Texas 31 Houston 24 two things are true here the third down spot on Houston's final drive was terrible that was a first down easily that was a a first first down. down I don't want so Texas know you fans after especially after Saturday's games I don't want to hear anything about the refs are against you no that was a terrible spot all that said, Dana, you have Donovan Smith at quarterback who's playing incredible. He was 32 of 46 for 378, three touchdowns and interception. He runs the ball well. He's on a four-game stretch that's been fantastic at everything I hot thought we would see from Donovan Smith at some point. And that was the play call you went with? Even if he had completed that pass, which was going to be a difficult pass as it was, like, it's still a bad play call. That was a terrible Play call on fourth and inches. Use your quarterback's legs. He's got good ones. He'll run it for you. Like, terrible play call. Should have been a first down. That game should have been tied and gone to overtime unless Dana wanted to go for two and pull out something to try and get the win, which probably would have been a good idea, and I would not have blamed him for doing that. That would have been a good call if you went for two after you had the chance to tie the game. That fourth and inches call, terrible call.
1: We need a shirt saying, should have been a tush push.
0: Should have been a tush push. I don't, yeah, I
1: don't know. Yeah, no, it was a really bad idea. I just out of just,
0: context, that shirt doesn't play well.
1: Well, who you know what, though? Sometimes the best shirts are the ones that don't play well out of
0: context <laughs> for no. chaps. Uh, just like Oklahoma, Texas loses this game last year, the year before that, the year before that. Like this, this again, I'm giving credit to Oklahoma and Texas for not losing a game that they normally would have lost. I think it says a lot about both programs. Both um, Texas was better inside the opponent 30 on Saturday than they have been for a while. I know it was Houston. Uh, Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers got uh, injured uh, uh, on a sack and was knocked out of that game at the end of the third quarter. Uh, There is no official report from the university, but we did hear from Anwar Richardson of Orange Bloods on Sunday evening. Quote, according to sources, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers sustained an AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder against Houston. Side note, he injured his other shoulder Last year, so now both shoulders have been injured. Uh Back to the tweet. The injury occurred on a sack. There's optimism he will play again this season. As of Sunday night, there is no timetable for his return. Should learn more this week. So, no years for a little while.
1: And and um, for some context, that's the exact same injury that Jalen Daniels for Kansas had last year that kept him out for, I believe it was for six games. So, there's a, or six weeks, including a bye week in there, so. Yeah, it's um it's not a great injury to have, especially if you're, you know, a quarterback that wants to be able to throw the ball down the field.
0: So you're looking at probably a a uh a super optimistic view of four weeks, a more realistic view of six. Um they have five games left on the schedule. So him back before the Big Twelve Championship games, probably gonna be them pushing him back this will be a very interesting with the stretch. They have left. BYU he's, at home.
3: He's coming back to play against Iowa state. He's throwing for 400 yards and five touchdowns,
0: but they're all going to be
1: shovel passes behind the line.
0: Yeah. Uh, BYU at home. That's fine. Cause BYU is not any good in the daytime. If that was a night game, the vampires would rise up uh, Kansas state at home at TCU at Iowa state. And then Texas tech at home to close out the season. Like I'm, I'm going to just say, like, Quinn Ewers isn't the reason Texas has been as successful as they have so far this season. It's been the defense being as good as it has. Quinn Ewers has been solid. The run, Jonathan Brooks, has been fantastic. And so, like, can Texas survive that stretch well enough to still make it to Arlington? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because then it's gonna come down to let's say they lose another game. Like it'll just come down to who is that loss to and tiebreakers from there. So but they do have two of the teams that they are currently tied with in the Big Twelve standings at three oh one, Kansas State and Iowa State still on the schedule. So it does make the rest of the season more interesting for Texas. I do hope when Ewers gets back quickly and does recover fully. Uh let's move on down the list. BYU. A lot more than Texas Tech. <laughs> I'm kidding. 27 to 14. Uh, BYU first half, they won the turnover battle 3 to nothing and turned Texas Tech over on downs on a wild fourth down that was a recovered fumble at the BYU four. So, yes, technically they won the battle 3 I'll tell it four turnovers for BYU in the first half. BYU only wins weird games. They play in weird games for the most part. When it's not weird, it's like TCU last week. Uh, Texas Tech has been playing in a lot of weird games this season. It's not shocking BYU won this. For one, Jake Strong was the quarterback for Texas Tech. He threw three interceptions. He's thrown a lot of picks since he came in. Has he got six interceptions now? I need to go back and look at the second half of last week's game. I I think he's got like six picks at this point in the season, Jake Strong. Yes, At he does five, six, two, yeah. two
1: touchdowns, six interceptions.
0: Woof. um, Woof. Texas Tech needs a, a, uh, they, they have the week off this week. They need that week off badly and they really need Shuck or, or Morton to get healthy enough to come back after the the idle week.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was the concern, right. For Texas Tech was like, is the it quarterback. Is every year. I know, but like, you know, a lot of people were thinking that Texas Tech had an opportunity to be a dark horse in the Big 12, and it was always going to come down to. Well, I mean, obviously, it wasn't even before then, but it was always going to come down to the health of their quarterback. The minute that Chuck went down with an injury, you had to think that it was going to be very difficult for them to claw back from. You know, from the the hole that they've dug themselves at this point.
0: Well, also, you know, the offensive line, the defense, other things also were going. Well, yeah, to but. Horse. Um. <laughs> um also, hey, Jaden York of Texas Tech, don't spit in people's faces. Just wanna just wanna remind you. Yeah, that you, was that it. was ridiculous, honestly. I, do I saw the the back and forth between did he flip the fans off as he was running up the tunnel? Somebody got a shot of it. It looked like he was doing guns up instead of the instead of the birds, double birds. I don't know. All I know is don't spit in people's faces. You got kicked out of the game for spitting in someone's face. Like, dude, I also
1: heard that he um tripped and ate the ground on his way he out. Which- apparently,
0: yeah, he apparently ate it.
1: Apparently, apparently, there were some people that were very pleased with that outcome. So I, 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 okay. I hope he's not hurt, but okay, you know, it is karma.
0: As for BYU, defense is still okay, uh, run game is still non-existent, and if Keaton Slovis is good, they will win. If the defense can play well, they will win. If the if Keaton Slovis isn't good, TCU last week. BYU is now two and two in conference play with a win over the incumbent ten. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. If I told you coming into the season the BYU would be the best of the newcomers, I don't. I think people might have been a little bit shocked if I told you that they would have two wins, and that the other three newcomers combined would be one and eleven. I think we all might have been just a little bit surprised. But that's what it is now. It's two and two BYU, one and eleven Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati.
1: Now, how many of those? Losses came against other new teams, though, because I know that like BYU beat Cincinnati, so that one is like someone's got to win that, you know, of the new schools. But I don't think have they, have they. I don't no think anyone any else. None of those right? have
0: played. UCF has not okay. played any of the newcomers. They have a road game at Cincinnati and a home game against Houston still on the schedule. Uh Houston has not yet. They will play Cincinnati and UCF, and so like. But the argument yeah, here is like, well, gosh, they haven't gotten so, a chance yeah, to play. They haven't got a chance to play each other like.
1: Well, right. Okay. I mean, it's still even then it's still, you know, one and one and two against the incumbent 10 versus oh, and 10 like
0: it's still pretty bad. It's um, it's not great. It's not great. Uh, it's not great. We will see. I, look, I. I I picked BYU to win this game because Texas Tech issues. Um and BYU, like if you're gonna put them in a weird game, I'm gonna pick them. If they're just gonna go up a team who's flat out better than them, they're gonna they're gonna lose. Like I'm not gonna pick BYU to 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 win. Maybe cover, we'll see. But if they're gonna have a weird game, but man, the game against Texas next week, we'll talk about it. But it's just got like Malik Murphy comes out and has great Malik Murphy game written all over it. Like it's kind of like Hoover for TCU coming out against BYU and just. Blasting BYU and then turning around this week, which is a game we'll talk about in a minute and um, getting absolutely blasted. Baylor 32, Cincinnati 29. Baylor is no longer the worst team in the Big 12. They are 2-2 two and two in conference play. Now, granted, both their wins are over newcomers uh, and close wins over newcomers. Cincinnati, welcome to the bottom. You're now the worst team in the Big 12. Congratulations. Bravo. Bravo. Uh, Baylor... Like, I'm, I'm still not going to keep. like, I don't I still don't think any, there's any Baylor fan who's like, ah, everything's fixed and all things are turned around and life is good and the sun is shining, the birds are singing. It's like, we got a win and we're going to celebrate that. And that's perfectly fine. You should be enjoying that win. You should be enjoying being three and four now. Um, you still have Houston on the schedule, so you've got another chance for what should be a win. The rest of the slate is incumbent team, so we'll see how that goes. For Cincinnati... Uh Justin Hiles of the Cats was supposed to be joining us tonight. He couldn't make it. Had some stuff going on. But he uh tweeted out on the Twitters in one singular tweet, tell us how you would flip this Bearcats program around to win six games before the end of the season. My answer is build a time machine, go back to December, and don't hire Scott Satterfield.
1: Yeah, I mean you know it's bad when the place he came from is like rejoicing about the fact that you hired him away. So
0: and in contention to be in the ACC championship.
1: Yeah, that's um, it's not great for Baylor. I'm wondering is Baylor one of those teams that wants to be on the road in conference the rest of the year? Because for whatever reason, they seem to play better on the road. I, I don't know if it's just opponents, but they they seem to be. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just they have two road wins, and yes, it's against the new the new school, so maybe that has more to do with it than them actually being on the road, but. They definitely seem to be playing better um, away, you know, from their home stadium, which is not something you ever really want to be the case.
0: Well, they've only played away from their home stadium twice all season, so fair and, small sample and, size. And they came against, they came in so the Whoa! whoa, whoa. So that makes historic, it even better historic comeback performance on the road on this the road. year. Yes, they're two and zero oh on the road and zero oh and four. Oh no, sorry. Two on the road, one and and four. One and four at home, and the one win is not an FBS victory. I just like at this point, like Baylor has basically guaranteed they won't finish in last place in Big Twelve play, in my opinion. Like that's that's what they've done by winning two games. Yep, because they're gonna they now own tiebreakers over UCF and Cincinnati. So at least through tiebreakers, Baylor will not finish 14th this year.
1: Again, a very low bar to clear, but they've cleared it.
0: I'll say this: um, Dave Aranda is not going to get fired. Doesn't happen. Doesn't matter what happens the rest of the way. He's not getting fired. He will still be there. They owe him too much money. They like him way too much. There's going to be a coaching staff shakeup in Waco this offseason.
1: Yeah, this is going to be the uh Tom Herman completely revamped the entire assistant coaches um over a Baylor like we had at Texas right before Herman got fired.
2: No.
0: i um, I yeah. I
1: for Aranda, let's let's hope it worked out better than what it did for Herman.
0: Will chat will will uh, Scott Satterfield be a worse hire for someone than Chad Morris was for Arkansas? That's the bar of which I'm now starting to wonder if this is gonna. I'm, I feel bad for Cincinnati fans. Like, I do. Like, they were very excited about joining the Big Twelve. You you had it made in the shade. Then you hired Satterfield, and I think every like even Cincinnati fans were like, "No, this this could work out. This could be a good hire. It might be okay. it's, it's not. It's not been." Let's move on. Let's that's that's enough ranting on those two fan bases. Oklahoma State forty-eight, West Virginia thirty-four. Here's my thing for for West Virginia. I thought Garrett Green looked really good. I like Garrett Green. I think he plays well. The more I've watched of him, the better he's looked throughout the season. Like I'm not, I'm actually weirdly not. Like I'm not going to blame the offense. I'm not going to blame Garrett Green. I'm putting this on the defense. The defense that I praise on this show has looked bad. For two straight weeks. Uh Neil Brown after the game. We're up twenty-four to twenty in the fourth quarter and we don't get it done. You have to figure out ways to win when you're up twenty-four to twenty at home. Yes, that's true. Um not only it's not just the defense has looked bad two straight weeks or blown leads in the fourth quarter for two straight weeks. It's that in quarters one through three the last two weeks, the defense has given up an average of about seven points a quarter. It's pretty good. In the fourth quarter against Houston, they gave up 20. In the fourth quarter against Oklahoma State, they gave up 28. What the hell's happening to West Virginia's defense in the fourth quarter of the last two games that they've gone from like playing solid football to just, oops, we forgot how to stop the opposing team. You gave up 20 to Houston and 20, 28 points to Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter. Like that's Those are two collapses. And I know the Houston game was weird and you lose on a insane Hail Mary and all that. But like now you've got two weeks in a row. Remember, once is an occurrence, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. We're a week away from saying like you got real problems in the fourth quarter, West Virginia. What are you going to do about it? Because that's three, two weeks in a row where you have given up 20 plus points in the fourth quarter to lose a game in which you were winning.
1: Yeah, this game, like this game specifically just kind of reminds me of the whole time is a flat circle thing because we're right back now where, you know, Neil Brown is potentially has his team playing him into getting fired again. Um, Even though I don't think that West Virginia can actually afford it right now, but um, you know, we went from thinking that West Virginia was going to be a really good team to, or I'm sorry, we thought they were going to be a really bad team to being a really good team to now what's going on. Like, are they actually a bad team again? Um, I, I just, I don't know what to make of this team anymore. I thought for a while they, kind of had things figured out. And it's pretty clear that I don't think anybody knows what's going on in West Virginia, including, you know, the people that are actually running the program. So I'm a little concerned if I'm a West Virginia fan about like, what does this mean? Because I don't think that they can afford to fire Neil Brown, but if the program is going to get any better, they probably need to fire him. And, And I don't like to be the guy calling for his head, but like you looked at what he, every single time they take a step forward, they take a huge step back as well not very long after. And so something's got to change. And I just don't know what you can do at West Virginia besides shaking up the whole thing and starting over.
3: Yeah. I'm really curious if at this point, West Virginia fans are like really uh, regretting that little blip of success there. Cause like you felt like, okay, if the season's a complete like tank job, maybe they like have to figure out something to do about Brown. But now okay, there's been some solid games, but now you're kind of regressing. And your left was like, okay, what's the actual reality of the team here? Are they going to use it as justification to keep them around? Because as we have discussed ad nauseum, uh, the financials of getting in a new coaching staff are uh, rough at best. So it's uh, it's a very weird kind of spot for them to be in.
1: Yeah, this feels to me a lot like the success that Kansas saw under David Beatty when they upset Texas, right? Like some things went really weird that made you look really good. And unfortunately, the athletic department like overreacted to that horribly. The hope is that the same thing has isn't happening at West Virginia where they talked themselves into keeping Neil Brown for another two or three years because it might work. Like we've seen for now, you know, we've seen multiple years of this. It doesn't appear to be getting too much better. They're going to be highlights because every team has something wacky happen, but I I just don't know moving forward. And I, and I feel for, you know, a lot of the West Virginia fans that I know um, I've been there. I know how horrible it is to feel like you actually finally are getting out of there. And then you just get drugged right back down to like, Hey, this really sucks. Is it ever actually going to get better? Because that's what it feels like looking from the outside right now.
0: I, I'm at this point, I'm going to say, I don't think West Virginia was as good as the four-one start made them seem. I also don't think they're quite as bad as this O and two skid makes them seem. Like I-, I still think they're just a middle of the pack Big Twelve school who's having a two-game weird. De- like that Houston game's weird. You faced Oklahoma State in a team that you played a close game and then weird stuff happened. Like I, I- like maybe just gonna get weird the rest of the way. They've got UCF, BYU, OU, Cincinnati, Baylor. Like they've got four wins. You like I can find two wins on the schedule to get a bowl game. Like if it's just, we just need to get to a bowl game for Neil Brown to survive another year. And I kind of think that West Virginia, as far as an athletic department would prefer he stick do well enough to stick around another year so they can fire save on when they fire him. But like, I just, I don't know. Like I, and I hate this West Virginia fans. I'm not going to send my apology, but you know, you guys need to earn it back again a little bit. Um,
1: I will say, at least we can look forward to the weird game. That's going to be West Virginia versus BYU.
0: We'll talk about some games here in a second. Um, ball Game ball goes to Ollie Gordon, Oklahoma State running back. Good Lord. 29 carries for 282 yards and four touchdowns in this game. Let me tell you what he did in the fourth quarter. Nine carries, 149 yards, and three touchdowns in the fourth quarter against West Virginia. He had 28 of, well, essentially 28 of, or 21 of the 28 points scored per PFF, Ollie Gordon had 194 yards after contact. Oh, he had eight runs of 10-plus yards. Three of those were touchdowns, which means West Virginia only tackled him downfield like five times. Um, Sir, the the first-team running back list for the Big 12 at the end of the season is going to be an interesting battle between Jonathan Brooks, Ollie Gordon, Devin Neal, and Taj Brooks because you only get
1: Two. two. I think they do two running backs and a fullback.
0: And someone, then usually they put a fullback there from Oklahoma or Kansas State. <laughs> that will be Jared, Jared um,
1: Casey from Kansas. No,
0: <laughs> I've talked some trash on Gundy here recently, so I'm going to give him the props that I think he deserves at this point. This was his 400th game at Oklahoma State as either a player, assistant coach, or head coach. I think that's you looked it up. It's like the third longest streak at least third-longest active. I know that uh Ferentz is longer than that. Um, Shout-out to Pistols Firing firing for this one. Gundy's 400th game and his 161st win as a head coach also tied him for third for most Big 12 wins. He's now tied for, with Mac Brown for 98 conference wins. So Big, Gundy's got 98 Big 12 wins. That's tied for third with Mac Brown. Bob Stoops is the leader at 121. Bill Snyder is at 104. There is a chant that Mike Gundy will retire with the most Big Twelve victories. Sir, tip of the frickin' cowboy hat. This is um, it's not bad. That's uh, that's not a that's that's not a bad thing to.
1: I mean, it's a it's a testament to being good enough to amass some wins, and also being good enough to make sure you stick around longer than the average coach. So. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there it's impossible to turn that into a bad thing or or to, you know, take away from it. It's definitely um, for for all of the, um, I guess, shots that he's taken from, you know, other fan bases or from even from Oklahoma State fans. The fact that he's been able to be that successful for that long um, is really something.
0: Kansas State 41, TCU three. Uh, the two quarterback system is working for Kansas state. Now, neither Howard or Johnson were great through the air. They both run the ball really damn well. And again, as an Oklahoma state fan, thank you for waiting an extra week before you brought Avery Johnson out and started using him more. And this two quarterback system. Look, t- like, look, let- let's look. If you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one unless you're Kansas state this year. In which case, if you have two quarterbacks, you have a really good quarterback. Um, like, like, Avery's played well. Howard's been, I don't know. If, no, don't no, know really, 100. really,
1: it's if you have two decent quarterbacks, you have one really good quarterback masquerading as a running back.
0: They combined to go 15 of 26 for 244 and four touchdowns through the air. Uh, they had 20 carries for math, 135 yards on the ground. So... All in all, not bad. Granted, TCU sucks.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say to be. I, I'm gonna be honest. This feels a lot more, and I'm I'm not trying to take anything away from Kansas State because they still look, you know, really good, and, and they seem to be hitting their stride. But this is says a lot more to me about just how far TCU has fallen in the year after they went to the national championship game. Um, they just do not look at all. And, and yes, obviously Chandler Morris being hurt, you know, hurts their offense quite a bit, but. The defense was supposed to be decent this year. Like it was supposed to still be one of the strengths of the team. And it just looks awful. It's snap after snap. It's just bad.
3: Uh, I just want to say that one of my very favorite bits from the weekend was, I I believe it was Cyclone Larry on Twitter tagging uh, every big football school, Bama, USC, all them, uh, talking about how incredible Avery Johnson is and how they need to uh, send him the bag to try and transfer. Um, (laughs) That was, when I saw one, I was like, that's funny. When I saw multiple to different schools, I was like, yeah, I I respect that hustle. It was good. (laughs) Everyone was, as a insert school here, diehard fan, I demand that you... Bring in this young man, Avery Johnson. No notes. Incredible.
0: Oh, Twitter shenanigans. It's, the the uh, Twitter is better with him active on it. Look, I, look for TCU. Like I, I, I say they suck. They're just not good. Like they're not this bad. It <laughs> is funny to me. That, like TCU blows out BYU last week and then gets absolutely curb stomped. Oh no, don't say curb stomped. Um, uh, Kansas State this week. Like they're just. They're just not good. It's such a massive drop off. And it's not just like we can we can make all the jokes we want about Kendall Briles being the OC. And was it worth it? Like, was it actually worth it? Um, No. But it's not just that. Like you lost Max Duggan and Kendra Miller and Amari DeMarcado and Steve Avila and Quinton Johnson. And that's just the offense. And so, like. This goes back to the whole Big 12. I need. I've, I meant to take some time today, and every time I was trying to, suddenly there was a child at my knees asking for something or yelling from the bathroom that they had gone poop. Um, and so I wanted to put the whole list together because I've done it in the past and I've lost the note about, like, the non-OU teams in the Big 12 championship game and what the record is the year after. And it's typically, like, meh. Like it's not necessarily like losing record, but usually you get a lot of like six and six and seven fives and just kind of like mass seasons like Baylor and Oklahoma State did last year after coming off the Big 12 championship and when she went seven and five and Baylor went six and six. And so you look at it this year and like Kansas State could kind of be the outlier and have a a better than average season for teams who were in the Big 12 championship game. But like TCU looks like. Most of the teams who get there not named Oklahoma, and the next year it's kind of like mer, mer, we're not good anymore. We'll go back to development and and get this turned around, and we'll be back here in a couple of seasons. So, um, yeah, uh, we we I, maybe we'll, we'll wait till next week. Let's wait next week. We can do the like who's making a bowl and who's not. Uh, Because at this point, only two teams have reached bowl eligibility, Oklahoma and Texas. There are a few that are uh, one game away. Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Kansas, and BYU. There you go. Uh, Iowa State, West Virginia, and TCU still need two wins. Everyone else needs three or more. Let's do it next week. Let's do it next week. Speaking of next week. Let's wrap this show up the way we do every Monday. Let's look to the week ahead and which games we need to keep an eye on. Next week is our last week. It's our last idle week in the Big 12. After next week, everyone will be in action every weekend until the end of the season. I believe TCU and Texas Tech are idle this coming weekend. So let me read you the slate in chronological order. Each of us will pick a game that we have circled. You cannot pick your team. At 11 o'clock, big noon kickoff. We get Oklahoma at Kansas in Lawrence. Uh, also at 11, ESPN2, Kansas State hosting Houston. Uh, and 11 a.m. on FS1, the Shine Bowl. Shout out to CFB Home on Twitter for this one. It's Sunshine versus Moonshine, UCF hosting West Virginia. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's
0: That's good. It needs a it logo
1: was, now, where like one side is the moon and the other side is the sun.
0: No, it's got to be one side is a is a moonshine jug and the other. The well, well, other right, side. right. No,
1: but like, like you know, like a mason jar where the little emblem in
0: the middle is like uh, half moon, half sun. It's just it's uh, uh, just the three X's the um, I like it was funny in my head and the first time I've said it out loud, it's even funnier <laughs> to hear it said. Two uh, <clears> thirty, we get BYU at Texas. On ABC, on ESPN Plus, we get the battle for the tent trophy. <laughs> Baylor hosting Iowa State. <laughs> I, uh, Iowa State Baylor fans get that joke. Uh, I do I too, make, but it's—I make uh... a lot of dumb trophies, and I have a lot of stupid things I've built in Illustrator. Uh, and my fake trophy collection is beginning to grow. One of these years, I'm going to actually like make one of these for real. Uh, I need to make the tent trophy. Get like it's a 3D
1: printer good. so you can just like print a version of it.
0: It's just too good. We can the going to get
3: off. the Farmageddon trophy, but it's going to be a full tractor that I keep in my backyard.
0: I like it. I like it. Uh, only one night game. Oklahoma State homecoming host in Cincinnati at 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, pick your favorite game of the weekend. It cannot be your team. JSJ.
3: Um, first of all, shout out to uh Eric Steyer. I believe will be live in the stands in Waco, uh, since he lives down there now in Texas. So we'll hopefully see a Cyclone victory. Uh I will choose Kansas, Oklahoma, because honestly, the rest of this slate, besides my own game, looks like a, a pile of, of garbage. Not first fun. of all.
0: First of all, don't complain about college football. We only have a few weeks left of it. Okay?
3: First of all, I don't know who you're talking to about complaining about college football.
0: <laughs> Philip, you stepped in on that one. <laughs> Fine, JSJ. Which volleyball game are you looking to- <laughs> are you looking forward to this weekend in the Big Twelve? See, that is, that honestly
3: is valid. And I will give you an answer after Andy tells you his football game.
1: All right, Andy. Yeah, look, um, this obviously is the game that I'm, or not the game that I'm picking because I'm not allowed to, but, um, not only is Kansas and Oklahoma, the big noon Saturday game that comes on at 11. Um, it is also hosting big noon kickoff, the ESPN college game day, like show, um, so for the second straight season, the Kansas Jayhawks are hosting a national pregame show on location. Um, definitely looking forward to the you know this being the norm moving forward. You know Kansas getting to host these things more often than not. Um, but no, um, I, I'm kind of with uh, JSJ on this one. I'm not really sure which one of these games is actually going to be worth watching. Like the only one other or the only one that is less than a touchdown. Uh, on the line is the Iowa state Baylor one. And I don't know how much I'm actually looking forward to watching that game. It, I might watch it because it's going to be the most competitive, but it's not going to tell me anything. I think about either of these teams. I, I think that they both have their, you know, issues that we know that they have. And really the, the question is, can Baylor actually win at home against the big 12 opponent this year? Um, but I, I do think the one that's probably the most has the most potential for intrigue would be West Virginia UCF. Um you know, is West Virginia this bad, uh, you know, as they've been the last couple of weeks um, is John Rice Plumlee as good as he was against Oklahoma. Can UCF actually come back and, and, you know, get their first big Twelve victory um, at home. So it goes up against the game and I'm going to be honest, I'm probably not going to get to watch too much of it because I'll be too busy covering KU and Oklahoma, but um, that's probably the one I'm going to be the most intrigued to go back and watch and to like kind of look at the highlights from.
3: All right. First of
0: all, go ahead. Go ahead, Jamie.
3: Oh, I was just going to say, I was going to give you my answer, but if you're responding to Andy. No, no.
0: Okay. No, no. Go ahead and give your answer and then I will. Then I okay. will drive.
3: Well, it's a very easy one because Baylor and Texas play on Thursday and Friday and those will be very, very good matches. So that is my answer.
0: There you go. First of all, how dare all of you to to besmirch this weekend of Big 12 football because it's not up to your particular standards. Okay, To act like this weekend isn't chock full of potential storylines is insulting, and this only just feeds into the Mandel anti-Big 12 BS narrative that apparently we're trying to battle, internally as well as externally. No, no, let me put it this way. No, no, I'm not done with my diatribe, and you're going to sit there, with your finger pointing in the air, and wait patiently. First off, how dare you insult a trophy game like the battle for the tent trophy, Iowa State- in Waco at Baylor. I wasn't can, allowed to pick it! Can Iowa State continue this turnaround coming off of an idle week? Is Baylor going to beat anybody who's not a newcomer? Like, we've got a game between two teams that really just don't like each other. It is a more of a rivalry game than than just the joke trophy I've invented. Texas is not going to have Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy's going to be out there. We can make jokes about BYU sucks in the daytime, but BYU's beaten Texas quite a few times in the past. Does Malik Murphy do enough to help Texas keep on keeping on UCF West Virginia, West Virginia is on a two game skit trying to turn things around. UCF hasn't won a big 12 game yet. It's got a name now in the shine bowl. God, it's never not going to be fun. I i am referring to it for that forever. It should just be ever. the little
3: Mario shine just to be a different thing, a different third thing.
0: Oh, my gosh. Kansas State-Houston, like Kansas State coming into the season was our best hope for a non-Texas-Oklahoma Big Twelve championship game. Things looking like they may have turned it around and that can still be that answer. Oklahoma at Kansas? Like, can Kansas do it? Could Kansas do it? They
1: can. I don't know if they will, but I,
0: I'm I think I'm not going to pick can. them, too, but could they? And Oklahoma State, talking about turnarounds this season, they got – Beaten thirty three to seven at home in South Alabama, and now they're three and one in conference play and hosting a Cincinnati team who's zero four in conference play. Ollie Gordon setting just ridiculous Rutland. Come on,
1: come on. Now. Let me put it this way: if I expect a weekend like this to end up in a whole bunch of chaos, it's not going to happen. So, no, I'm going to insult these games, and so everybody can get mad at me, and then can show me how wrong I was, so that we can have a really fun college
0: football weekend. Sleep on a weekend of college football, you dare. There are only five weekends of the regular season left. And then it's, look, all the college basketball and football season is over. Except for bowl games. Okay? College basketball is almost here. I'm going to have the Midwest Madness podcast going as soon as I line up hosts. We're going to have and basketball. It's college basketball,
1: which is so much better. And then it's college softball.
0: It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. It's going to be a good week in the big 12 football. You never know what could happen. We'll see what happens. All right. And then we get week 10 and, Oh God, I wish I hadn't reminded myself what game was in week 10. (laughs) (sighs) I am. I'm going to like, not, I'm just going to take that week off because I'm going to be an emotional wreck. I just know it. It's going to not be good. It's going to get real ugly gonna stock the coffers full of of booze and other uh, week 10 is gonna be
1: so much fun though i mean uh, there's a good chance i might be up in ames so
0: oh that's a see that's a good game week 10 kansas and iowa state ucs cincinnati that's an it's a rivalry houston baylor kansas state texas byus virginia uh tcu texas tech look 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 this Oklahoma is the undercard. and Oklahoma State are not playing. They're just uh, they're having an extra. Yeah, idol yeah. Week. This
1: is the undercard week. Next week is the main event.
0: All right, fine. Let's Get all of you. We'll watch the tent trophy and see who takes it home. And print that thing out. for I think real. the bigger
1: question is 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 Iowa State going to be able to put up a tent this year?
0: All right, that's enough. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at ten twelve network t in the number twelve the word network. Please subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, we'll get some more. Hey, Jamie, you got any more of them tarot cards? I certainly could.
1: I've got something I'm cooking up that hopefully I'll be able to put out there uh related to college basketball as well so if
0: it's if anyone is your week 9 sucks take no if, so if, if anybody any if
1: it. anybody watched uh big Tool media days um mm-hmm. I'll just say oh, dogs of yeah. the dog park
0: <gasps> yes Duh. oh god that quote mm. it was great Same. i'll pull some I'll,
3: I'll pull some cards after i uh film my my next yeah, look
1: i was worried I was worried about the overall comedic quality of Big 12, but men's basketball tip-off with Huggins no longer there. But Kelvin Sampson fills that niche just perfectly.
0: Uh, subscribe to the 1012 Network Patreon for more coming up soon. Uh, Jamie Steyer Johnson's on Twitter at... J-S-T-E-Y-Z. She has been doing some video previews for the women's basketball teams in the Big 12. They are fantastic. Go and watch them. Listen to Jamie as she lays out just how smart she is. You'll learn a lot at AnnieMits12 on Twitter for Annie Also go check out Blue Wings Rising. Okay. Shop at CharlieHustle.com 10 12 15 15% off non sale items. We'll be back on Thursday to make picks. For all of this week's Big 12 games, it's our last week with a guest, and we've got a great one lined up. We will talk to you all then.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.